Probably the desire to know one's future and somehow influence it has interested every person at least once in their life. Most likely, you also have a couple of such things that you would change if you knew in advance how everything would turn out. Japanese people share our desire to look into the future, but the methods they use to achieve this have very interesting and sometimes quite eerie national peculiarities. Perhaps you have already encountered some of them, but simply didn't know what they were or what they were used for. Looking into the future is not that easy, and it usually comes at a price, but what is this price, and is it worth it? So let's dive into this fascinating and mysterious world of Japanese traditional divination. Oddly enough, this story begins in the United States in the late 1840s, in the home of farmer John Fox. After moving into a new residence that already had a bad reputation, the Fox family encountered frightening phenomena footsteps coming from empty rooms and the basement, knocking on walls, and even touches of someone's cold hands. Someone else was clearly in the house, but all attempts to find the intruder failed. Kate, one of the farmer's daughters, noticed that the creepy knocking exactly repeated the movements of the people in the house and tried to establish contact with the invisible entity. The girl clapped her hands twice, and two blows coming from the basement broke the tense silence. The Fox family's communication with the ghost laid the foundation for a phenomenon that would later be known as spiritualism. The guest from the other world was surprisingly talkative and not shy of the audience. The fame of the sisters gradually grew, and their mysterious experience was of interest not only to neighbors, but also to wealthy outsiders, which allowed Allowed them to move to New York. In the big city, the audience of girls grew significantly, turning communication with spirits into a profitable business and the Fox sisters into famous mediums. The dynamic 19th century demanded new experiences, and the fascinating seances promised a touch of something mysterious. The most popular way of communicating with spirits was table turning. People placed their hands on its surface and slowly recited the alphabet. If a letter was present in the spirit's word, it tilted the table with its supernatural power. This is the ritual that American sailors brought with them when they arrived in Japan, which had only recently opened its doors to foreigners during the Meiji period. The local version of a table looked like a tripod made of bamboo sticks, on top of which they put a plate covered with cloth. Participants touched it with their hands and asked the spirit to answer their questions. The tilting of the plate, which is called kokuri, means a nod of agreement that an invisible guest was supposed to make. Gradually, Japanese culture began to stand out in this Western entertainment. The word kokuri was divided into several parts, which came to symbolize magical characters with dual nature ko, kitsune, ku, tengu, and ri, tanuki. The many tailed fox kitsune is considered a wise helper, but at the same time is known for its cunning. The winged spirit Tengu, who lives in the mountains, is a very dangerous creature, but a reliable protector. The raccoon dog Tanuki attracts happiness and well-being, but likes to tease people, making fun of them. Together they represent a single being, Kokuri-san, which embodies their main features. He is the one who answers questions about the future. Table turning spread rapidly throughout the country, and at some point, almost every household was engaged in it. Just like everywhere else, attempts were made to find a scientific explanation for this phenomenon, ranging from self-hypnosis and unconscious muscle reactions to human electricity. However, no agreement was reached. The modern version of this game has changed significantly compared to its analog from the past. A more practical Ouija board has replaced the bamboo tripod and plate, significantly facilitating spiritualistic seances. The manga and anime breathed new life into a long-forgotten tradition. 
1973, a comic series called Ushiro no Hyakutaru by Jiru Tsunoda was released, which marked the beginning of the occult manga genre that captured the imagination of Japan. The first volume of this story features an episode from the lives of school children who summon Kokuri-san using a spirit board. It is quite difficult to find it publicly available, but the essence of the plot can be learned from the eponymous 1991 adaptation. Each teenager could try to summon Kokuri-san independently, as all they needed was friends, a sheet of paper, a pen, and a 10 yen coin. First of all, you need to draw tori on the paper, traditional gates of Japanese shrines through which spirits are believed to travel. The words yes and no are written on both sides of the gate, and below them are the Japanese syllabic alphabet hiragana and numbers from 1 to 9. The participants of the game should gather around the resulting spirit board, place a coin on the tori, touch it with their index fingers, and say the following phrase, Kokuri-san, please appear. If you are here, let us know. If the 10 yen coin moves to the word yes, then the spirit has appeared and is ready to answer questions. You can ask Kokuri-san anything, but you need to be careful because of his dual nature, which makes him a trickster who may deceive you, even if it's just for fun. Furthermore, you need to follow a strict set of rules. You cannot play alone, lift your fingers from the coin, or end the seance halfway. At the end of the game, it is necessary to thank Kokuri-san for his help and ask him to return the coin to the Tori drawing. The paper should be burned and the money spent in a few days. Despite its seemingly harmless idea, there are many dangers that await participants of the session. Kokuri-san can become the cause of possession, and the players themselves might accidentally summon someone else. If you don't want to take such risk or go through the hassle of conducting a seance, or maybe you just don't have anyone to do it with, there is another way to participate in it. In 1996, a pretty creepy visual novel titled Gaku de Ata Kawaii Hanashi was released for PlayStation, in which the player takes on the role of a school newspaper reporter writing an article about paranormal normal phenomena happening within its walls. The game features seven different stories, with the second one dedicated to Kokuri-san. To play it, you will need a PlayStation emulator and a large Japanese dictionary because there's no available translation. On the other hand, it's a great way to enhance your foreign language skills, isn't it? Or you can watch a playthrough on YouTube, but keep in mind that each storyline is full of twists and turns, the development of which depends solely on your choice. Besides this visual novel, Kokuri-san can be found in many anime, manga, and even movies so you may come across it someday in the future. Well, if Kokuri-san seems not very serious, then you might be interested in visiting Mount Osore, located in Aomori Prefecture. Osore, or Osorezan, literally means Mountain of Horror, a well-deserved name for a place that serves as an entrance to the underworld. Mediums called Itako have found their refuge here, among the charred volcanic soil and sulfur pits. Their fading art originated in Japan during the Edo period, when a new mystical meaning began to be invested in human blindness. A blind child became a financial burden for his family, as he could neither work nor take care of the household. For many girls, there was only one opportunity to integrate into society, to become a medium. The brutal training process usually began in childhood and lasted for about three years. Throughout this time, the teenager had to devote herself to harsh ascetic practices, including pouring ice-cold water, a special diet, and memorizing religious songs and sutras. Girls were not only required to work in the hostess's house, but also to pay her for it. The last month before initiation was considered the most difficult. The apprentice was ordered to close herself in an impenetrably dark hut three times a day, kneel down, and pour cold water from a bucket over herself. This practice, along with a lack of sleep, rest, and an increasingly harsh diet gradually drained the girls of their last strength. 
Finally, late in the evening of the last day, the initiation ceremony began, attended by local priests, the girls' relatives, and nearby residents. The ritual involved possession, which was usually indicated by the practitioner fainting from hunger and fatigue. A moment before losing consciousness, she had to utter the name of the spirit that had possessed her. From that moment, he was regarded as her husband. After the girl came to her senses, the hostess gave her a new name and various items necessary for conducting rituals. Then her first spiritual seance began, during which the initiate was supposed to summon the spirits of her deceased relatives. The initiation ended there, and the former apprentice officially became an Itako. Although the brutal part of the training was behind her, the girl still had a lot to learn. During the next hundred days, she was taught methods of divination and healing, as well as exorcism, things without which no Japanese peasant could survive. It so happened that non-traditional healing methods became the main problem for Itako. With the advent of the Meiji era, all mediums and their practices were declared illegal. The government believed that they hindered the spread of modern medicine in society. In addition, some of their rituals were too cruel for people of the late 19th century. A wave of numerous arrests swept across the country. However, people continued to seek the services of Itako. During World War II, they were in particularly high demand. Mediums not only conducted spiritual sessions with deceased soldiers, but also helped establish contact with the living. Despite the high demand and brutal training process, Itako always remained at one of the lowest rungs of society. Fortunately, gradual development of social assistance and cultural changes allowed people with visual impairments to lead a perfectly normal and independent life, so such mediums began to disappear. Today, the art of Itako is in decline. There are no more than two dozen practicing women, and all of them are of retirement age. Those who are still able to move gather twice a year on Mount Osorizan to participate in festivals related to the return of the spirits of the dead to our world. Along with them, thousands of tourists arrive, many of whom are interested in watching the mediums. Usually, people strive to participate in seances, but with the general decline in trust in Itako, they increasingly have to deal with trivial fortune-telling, luck-invoking rituals, and summoning various minor spirits. So, we have looked at some ways to look into the future presented in Japanese culture, from calling mysterious spirits to communicating with the dead. Not all of their aspects were pleasant, right? And there's a lot more to talk about. For example, I barely touched on the topic of Inugami, even though they are directly related to Itako, being part of one of their most brutal rituals. Much had to be cut out for various reasons, but something from this will definitely appear in one of the next videos, so don't miss it if you're interested. Good luck and see you soon!